and how we can meet God where he wants us as a church through faith. How can we step out in obedience as a church to experience God and fulfill the will of God instead of attempting to do our own thing? I want to continue this thought today as we move forward into chapter 11 of Experiencing God. Within the study, the chapter is entitled Kingdom People. Henry Blackaby challenges us that God's people from every local body um, are part of God's kingdom. Every Christian is part of God's kingdom and is therefore a kingdom person. As kingdom people, as people having a relationship with Jesus, we are on mission. We cannot be Christians, we cannot be in relationship with God and not be on mission. Jesus states in John 20, verse 21, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As God sent Jesus, Jesus then sent his disciples, which is, which is now us, on mission. As kingdom people, as the body of Christ in Halliburton, we are all on mission. We are all kingdom people. What is our mission? Well, it could look like a lot of, a lot of different things. But as as Paul mentioned last week, it is our goal as a church to meet God and in faith step out on that mission. How do we become kingdom people? How are we spreading the gospel message? How are we spreading the love of God to the world around us? Paul talked about the crisis of belief that every church, that every body of Christ, um, that every person is faced with as we determine the direction with which God wants us to go. Are we willing to rely on faith and move forward, trusting in God's will for our church, or are we taking the safe road? Are we focusing on being kingdom people through faith and entering God's plan as a church body? In order to become kingdom people, in order to spread the love of the gospel to the world around us as a church, we first have to focus on fellowship. To become kingdom people as a church, we first have to be in fellowship with God, which then translates into fellowship with each other, as the body of Christ. What is fellowship? How do we have fellowship with God and the church? That's kind of what we're talking about this morning. The term koinonia um, comes up several times within this chapter in Experiencing God. It's referred to at least 18 times within the Bible. In simple terms, koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship. In fact, it goes, it goes deeper than simply fellowship. We tend to think of fellowship as simply um, having coffee with each other, um, talking after the service. We need to think of fellowship as sim- or we tend to think of fellowship as simply being with one another, which is true. But koinonia goes deeper than that. Koinonia is the deepest bond of fellowship within a community. Koinonia is being in agreement with one another, being united in purpose and serving alongside each other. Our koinonia with each other is based on our common koinonia, or fellowship, with Jesus Christ. Our fellowship with each other as the church is based on our fellowship with Jesus through our relationship with him. 1 John 1, 6-7 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. We can't have fellowship uh, with God at the same time as living a life of sin apart from God. That's a contradiction. At the same time, if we strive to walk in the light, to live out our faith in the manner God is calling us to, then we are able to have fellowship with God, which leads to fellowship with one another, who are also trying to walk in the light. 
And then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. In other words, fellowship is seen as a massive piece towards a healthy Christian life. The question remains, how do we have koinonia, or fellowship, with God, and what does this mean for us practically? Koinonia with God, in many ways, looks like the things we have studied um, in the previous weeks in experiencing God. As we walk in relationship with God, who desires a love relationship with us, we bring God into our everyday life. We thank God for the blessings he has given us. We seek after his voice and learn to trust in and have faith in God. We make adjustments in our life after choosing, through the graces of belief, to follow God. We then have an unending desire to obey, which is centered in our love for God and our understanding that he wants and knows what is best for us. Finally, as referred to last week, It also means as a church learning to know and do the will of God within our church as a whole. This means entering into mission with God due to our relationship with God, becoming kingdom people. Koinonia with God leads to koinonia with other believers. In fact, it is a command for us. God designed us to have fellowship with one another. He calls us to support one another, to build each other up, to be with each other. Blackaby refers to koinonia as the most complete expression of a love relationship with God. As we choose to live in this love with God first, it then leads to the same quality of love with our fellow believers. You might be thinking, do I really need to have koinonia with everyone? When thinking about koinonia, we have to realize that the mystery and privilege of Christian fellowship is that it exists because of God's grace. As Christians, we are all united in the Spirit through Jesus, by grace. It is this unity, the unity that is a a result of grace, that is the basis for fellowship, that is the basis for koinonia. We are all imperfect people joined together through God's grace and salvation with the Holy Spirit with us. Jesus says um, this as he is speaking to his heavenly Father in John 17, verse 23, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The complete unity Jesus refers to is the oneness that Christians experience in true fellowship. Oneness with one another, with Christ and with the Father. Oneness because of the grace that each of us is granted through salvation. Because the Father is in Jesus, so is Jesus in us, And we have unity with one another because of the uniqueness of that relationship. So yes, as Christians, we are called to have koinonia with all other believers. This leads us to become kingdom people by entering in God's mission. This relationship must be the basis of Christian fellowship. We can have friendships and relationships with people that do not have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, we are called to this. But true Christian fellowship can only occur within the body of of Christ. We are united to one another by common beliefs, purposes, and goals. The importance of true Christian fellowship is that it creates accountability and trust as we live out our mission with each other. In Proverbs 27:17, uh, as iron sharpens iron, in true Christian fellowship, Christians sharpen one another's faith and challenge each other, build each other up, keep each other accountable, and much more. It is God's design for his people. So what does it look like to have fellowship with other believers? Is this really what the church is all about? In order to spread the love of Jesus to the world around us, in order to become kingdom people, 
we first have to recognize the true elements of koinonia. We first have to become a congregation, a church body, that has fellowship with God, and then fellowship, koinonia, with each other. Once we achieve and highlight this, we then can move forward and become kingdom people. We can spend so much time focusing on spreading the gospel and showing love to the world around us and creating opportunities for people to come to Lakeside, programs that teach and support individuals. Now, these things are all good, but what good are we as a church body in being kingdom people? How are we supposed to reach the world if our own fellowship, if our own uh, church body is broken or cracked? Our fellowship, our koinonia, both with God and each other, has to be healthy first. So many times we see churches that desire to be kingdom-oriented, that put all this effort into being kingdom-oriented, but yet are broken at the roots, that are cracked in terms of their own love and fellowship for one another. Why would someone new, why would someone be drawn to a community that doesn't have its own fellowship in mind? Fellowship Love, koinonia, leads to the ability to be kingdom-oriented. This has to be a focal point as our first mission as the body of Christ and as Christians. How do we achieve this fellowship? Well, we're given many examples and teachings within the Bible uh, that help us in this regard. We're going to look at the early church in Acts. Um, and it provides kind of a church ideal that I want to refer to this morning as we are challenged to be kingdom people. Koinonia leads to becoming kingdom people is a church-wide challenge, but starts with individuals. It starts with all of us being willing to adopt the same principles that the early church adopted in Acts. We're going to turn to Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. And if you want, I'll give you a a chance to to open up to that. It is interesting, um, as I prepared this sermon, because it was actually pretty straightforward to put together. I sat down and prayed and asked God um, to speak to me in terms of what he wanted me to speak about. And immediately I had this picture of the early church, which is laid out for us in this passage, but even further throughout the book of Acts. And the passage that we're going to read literally gives us um, each point of the sermon, verse by verse. But within the passage, Luke, who's the author, the same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke, um, gives us a glimpse of what the early church looked like in the days immediately following Jesus' ascension into heaven. What is interesting about this passage is that each verse, in a way, serves, us as an instru- uh, serves as an instruction to us 2,000 years later. It is important to note that this ideal, this church ideal, was written about before cracks were formed. We know that as time went on, there were instances in the church that created conflict. Paul, Peter, and the early apostles write of this throughout their letters in the New Testament. In fact, many of Paul's letters... Um, in the New Testament, or parts of them, were written in response to the cracks that were formed, um, that began to form due to sin. The early church, just like us, were imperfect. Yet Luke describes the very beginning of what fellowship through the Holy Spirit after Jesus' ascension could be like. It was an ideal for them, just just as it is an ideal for us today. It is the essence of what the early church was, and I would argue that it is the goal that every church today should strive for as we desire and pursue koinonia with God and other believers, and so that we can then become kingdom people. It is our challenge today, moving forward as a church. Let's take a look and uh, read the passage at uh, Luke 2, or sorry, Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. At the very beginning of this passage, we see this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and, and, the, and prayers. God comes first. Koinonia starts with fellowship with God. Church needs to be, uh, our church and church in general needs to be devoted to healthy biblical teaching, not shying away from the truth of the gospel. In Ephesians 1, to 23, all these sticky notes, it's going <laughs> to, uh, God placed, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything um, for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Right at the beginning of this passage, Luke makes it clear that the apostles taught the congregation. The apostles taught the word of God, and and that was a focal point of the church. So many times within church, we get away from simply preaching the word and focusing on the word of, of God. Koinonia has to involve God, and within the church, we must make the true word of God a priority because he's the head of the church. God is the head of the church. I think this also goes beyond just on Sunday mornings. We have to make the Word of God a priority in our day-to-day life, holding each other accountable to this, not shying away from this. The early church devoted themselves to what they knew God was speaking through the, the, the apostles. It became a mandatory piece. We don't know, based on this verse alone, um, what was said and how in which the gospel and the Word of God was taught um, by the apostles. Yet what we do know And what the important part here is that it was taught. So often we forget that the word of God is why all of us are here. We can't sugarcoat the gospel. As a a congregation, and I myself have been caught up in some of this many times, we begin to tear apart the sermon for not being entertaining enough. That the sermon put me to sleep, etc. Yes, there's value to the speaker making sure that he or she is engaging. But as believers, we should not come to church expecting to be entertained. Instead, and as the early church did, we have to allow the word of God, as spoken by the early apostles, or or in our case, whoever has been chosen to lead and speak, to be ready to listen to where the Holy Spirit speaks into our life and be willing to make the necessary changes. The early church speaks of this as they centered their entire structure, the very beginning of this passage, Uh, on what the apostles taught through the leaning and direction of the Holy Spirit. Instead of making church a source of entertainment, we have to make it a source of teaching where we put the utmost attention onto the Word of God through the Holy Spirit. Yes, there are entertaining, entertaining aspects of church. We can work to make sure we are engaging. We can work to make sure that we are welcoming. But the most important aspect is to ensure that biblical teaching, the gospel message, how we live out our faith is at the center of all that we do. We have to work hard to make sure that God, through the Holy Spirit, is at the core of our fellowship, whether that be on Sunday morning, but also in our everyday life. In the, in the same verse, it goes on to refer to the breaking of bread and prayers. At the core of Christian church, whether it being 2,000 years ago, fresh after Jesus' ascension into heaven, 
or whether that be today, is God. Making sure that we are bringing God into every action. The early church put emphasis onto the breaking of bread in the form of what we now know to be communion. For them, it would have probably looked a little bit differently, most likely in the form of a full meal uh, together to commemorate and remember the sacrifice Jesus made. This was a centerpiece to all that they did, ensuring Jesus was never forgotten. Not forgetting the sacrifice Jesus gave us, we also uh, share communion in a similar way. Koinonia as believers, fellowship with one another, begins with an understanding that our commonality, the reason we are all here, is not because we simply want a place to go on Sunday morning. I'm sure there are a lot of other things we can be doing on a Sunday morning. But that we have a commonality with every believer, not just here in Halliburton, but around the globe. This commonality is Jesus Christ. Our belief in what God did for us through his Son, Jesus Christ, and that we have the Holy Spirit upon us the same way uh, Christians around the world also do. Koinonia has to remember this. Fellowship, as maintained through the early church, begins and ends with hearing from God, bringing God into everything that we do, remembering Jesus Christ by the breaking of bread, listening to the word of God through the, the designated people, and being willing to make changes in our life based on what God desires. The verse also briefly talks about prayers, speaking directly to God through the gift of the Holy Spirit, um, is also crucial within the early church. Koinonia with other believers, church as a whole, is centered on God himself. As soon as we part from this, as soon as we divert away from this by focusing on other aspects, as soon as we put more emphasis in whether church is entertaining, into whether the coffee is made perfectly, into whether things are running smoothly, we lose the whole reason we are all here. The early church would not have cared about all these little aspects. They simply allowed the Holy Spirit to take over their fellowship with one another, regardless of what that meant. Yes, it's important to put effort into things like the coffee. I love coffee as much as the next guy. Into the programs that uh, run smoothly. I'm not trying to take away from that. But our first priority has to be God. Our first priority has to be teaching the word of God and fostering a community or a fellowship that includes and teaches the word of God, salvation in everything that we do. The second aspect that we see within the passage that provides an understanding of what Koinonia is this, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The second aspect that is built into Koinonia, fellowship with other believers, church itself, is the fact that God was alive and active in the church through the believers. This is because the Holy Spirit was alive and active. It, this idea builds on aspect number one in that as the apostles taught, as prayer and the breaking of bread was emphasized, as God himself was emphasized in all that they did, God, through the Holy Spirit, was able to enter the lives of the apostles and awe came upon every soul. The word awe is often overused in, in, in today's words, specifically in terms of the word awesome. The actual definition of the word awe means a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear or wonder. In many ways, this can also be said within the context of awesome, the, the word awesome. God was doing something through the apostles and the early church that inspired a sense of fear and wonder. It was God's power manifested on earth through God's apostles. It was the Holy Spirit actively at work. And this aspect actually really um, challenged me as I was thinking and praying. I'm the first one to overuse the word awesome. I say awesome all the time. What is convicting is the question that I ask you this morning and that I ask myself. 
When have you, when have you experienced the awe of God? When have you been captivated by both fear and wonder as you bring God into your life? Are we walking with God as a church close enough so that the awe of God, this wonderment, this fear, this indescribable event is before us? The Holy Spirit is the same today as it was for the early church. So how come they experienced it and we don't? Are we simply not noticing it or do we attempt to explain it in another way? Even worse, are we pushing it aside and not actually allowing the full power of the Holy Spirit to take hold of our hearts and take hold of our church and a fellowship with one another? This is challenging. The early church experienced this awe. In fact, it even says every soul, every believer experienced this awe. This awe brought people together in fellowship. This is still possible for us today. Let's turn to God and truly ask the Holy Spirit to come upon us every day so that we can also experience the power, the wonder, the fear that is God himself. As a church, let's constantly ask the Holy Spirit to take over our tasks, to take over our service, and to take over our lives. And this goes beyond just Sunday morning. This is another reason we have koinonia, fellowship with one another, fellowship with other believers, with with other believers leads us to the power of the Holy Spirit, the awe and wonder of God to be able to be manifested in our life together. Sure, the Holy Spirit, the same awe can happen individually, but the Bible states in Matthew uh, 18, verse 25, for where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Fellowship, church itself, is God creating a platform for his awe, for his power to be shown to the world to his followers, and to everyone who is present. As a church, let's allow this power in. Let's come together as the church, as the early church did in Koinonia and believe that the same Holy Spirit is active today as it was 2,000 years ago. The church, Lakeside, is a platform for God's awe to be seen by the world through his followers. Let's be that platform. The third element of Koinonia, um, in regards, as we're looking at the model of the early church, is the word commonality. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Whoa, all things in common? What does this mean? Our common goal is Jesus Christ. We all share as Christians the commonality of Jesus Christ. This is far greater than any other aspect of our lives. As we share this commonality, everything else becomes less important. As we share this commonality, our differences become tools for our far bigger picture of God's plan. The Bible speaks about this in many different ways. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 12 to 14, there is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We are all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we are, we're Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people, we were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part, it has many parts. And in Ephesians 4, uh, verse uh, 4 to 6, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were, were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We all share one commonality. That is Jesus Christ. Our differences only serve to better the commonality we all share. The early church speaks of this and knew this. As we focus on our commonality 
instead of our differences, we become a better vessel to serve our God. Imagine, instead of first thinking that someone is different than you, you first see their commonality as a Christ follower. I want you to take a minute and just look around you. Is there the person beside you or a person across from the room from you? You are all different. You might, you might not even get along with everybody in the room. Imagine that. Yet we all share the commonality as believers who have the Holy Spirit in us, as long as we have accepted salvation and are living this out. This trumps our differences. This trumps our conflict. It breaks my heart um, that the devil has used conflict, has used our differences, um, have used our sin to break apart the body of Christ. If we first realize that we share the most important commonality, then next time a conflict arises, let's turn to each other in love instead of in hate, instead of in whispers behind the back of the person that we feel has wronged us. If we have a problem with someone, wouldn't it be easier to use our commonality of Jesus as a jumping-off point for resolution? Koinonia can only exist if we put aside our conflict, if we put aside our differences, and allow the commonality we all share to take precedent over everything else. Remember, koinonia only exists because of God's grace that we all share together as Christians. The common denominator we all share is Jesus. Everything else does not matter. This leads into our fourth point. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Whatever God has blessed us with, we must make a, uh, take a humble approach and be willing to give it to God. If God has blessed us with time, if God has blessed us with money, with skills, we are called to use them. If we all have the same commonality, then our possessions and belongings, our gifts, our resources, they don't matter. We have to be willing to humble ourselves and be willing to give up the things that we have for the benefit of the church body as a whole, for the benefit of the fellowship as a whole, for the benefit of God's kingdom. Maybe we have been blessed with money and we have excess, then we are called to give that to where there is need. Maybe we have extra time. Maybe you're retired and have time to give towards a project, towards the church, whatever is needed. Maybe you have a specific skill. Whatever it is, as we share commonality through Jesus Christ, we are called to distribute our resources that we, uh, that we have been blessed with, whatever they are, to where there is need. This is difficult because we hold on to things. We like having excess. We like having extra time. We like having extra cash. But if we bring all this, put it before God, we can be better used as a body to serve the world around us as we are called, through fellowship and koinonia. The fifth element of koinonia, as based uh, from the early church, um, is living life together. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Essentially, this idea can be simplified as spending life together. So many times we see Christians live their life only reaching out to each other on Sundays. In all honesty, we have to come together in this dark world. One of the things I have loved, actually, about coming up to Halliburton over the last few months is the way in which people bond together to support one another. As a church, I think this is something that we do well, yet there's always room to be challenged and reminded of this as crucial to healthy fellowship and koinonia. The early church realized how crucial it was to be together. What is interesting about this is that there was a practical reason. 
The early church was under heavy persecution. The Romans did not want the apostles, um, the early church, to function. We know of an uh, immense amount of persecution. Um, we see in, as early as in Acts 5, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. And it got, got worse. Stephen, an early apostle, became the first martyr to die for his faith in Acts 6 and 7. This grew over the centuries after this passage was written, yet the principle still remains. The threat of persecution led to members banding together, relying on each other, living their day-to-day lives with each other. Today, we don't face the threat of persecution of death. Persecution for being a Christian is all around us. Christians, uh, Christians, the body of believers, we are cracked. There's separation, there's fighting, and this leads to the power of sin, to the opposing forces of this world, to have such a strong hold. What would happen if we joined together in commonality, living life together, spending life together? This idea would lead to accountability, it would lead to trust, it would lead to a bond, a fellowship, a koinonia that would go far beyond anything seen. It's hard, uh, it's hard to be accountable to someone you only see and talk to once a week. It's hard to develop trust with someone that you, can, that you only talk to on Sunday. As we strive to reach out and live life with, with each other on a day-to-day basis, the elements of fellowship and koinonia can grow and become similar to that of the early church. Now, I know times are different, but what if we reached out to one person that we don't normally talk to each week? What if we invited someone over? What if instead of dodging people's eyes in the independent, we actually sought people out? I think Luke knew this as he was writing. He knew the power that the body of Christ could have if they remained together, if they spent their entire time together instead of being divided, instead of only reaching out and seeing each other on Sundays. This is a lot of the reason why, as a church, we create so many programs and opportunities to get together outside of church. This is great, but we need to keep pushing for this. And really, beyond the official programs, we also have to, as individuals, seek out the body of Christ intentionally, live life day-to-day with each other, working hard at this to become a closer group, all sharing the commonality of Jesus in our lives. As many of you know, one of my passions... Um, is within the camping world. Most of my lifelong friendships, in fact, the reason I'm standing here today is because of the fellowship that was created at Mediba as we spent every day together in the summer, but also um, throughout Prasago. Now, I know camp is a bit of an anomaly, but I also think that it provides a similar aspect to what the early church is teaching. As we spend every day with like-minded people, every day with fellow Christians, the bond grows, the fellowship grows, and we can have a better chance of living out God's mission for our lives and for our church. We have a better opportunity to become kingdom people. The early church received their food with glad and generous hearts. They constantly shared with each other. They constantly ate together, spent time together, gave of what they had. As we do this, we grow more accountable with each other. We share a higher bond, a greater sense of trust. This is God's design. He knows that we cannot be Christians in this world alone. And it's getting harder and harder to be Christians, at least in Canada. Um, And that's why we need to bond together. And that's how God's designed it for us. God designs us to be in community with each other. It goes all the way back to God creating Eve. Yet we so often mind our own business until the planned programs and church services. 
the early church reminds us and challenges us to go beyond this, to come together and become a fellowship of believers that has the closest bond, a bond with God and each other, a bond that supports each other no matter the differences, a bond that lives life with each other. This is koinonia. And it, this last, the, the last verse of the passage is kind of the essence of kingdom building, the essence of this entire goal of koinonia in a nutshell. It says in 47, in Acts uh, 2, verse 47, they praised God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The early church praised God. They allowed God into every aspect of their life. They thanked God for everything and worshipped him. Due to koinonia, due to fellowship, the early church grew. Day by day, they added people to their family. Day by day, we know of the, of the early church baptizing people and adding to their numbers at an incredible rate. Despite attempts to stop the church from happening, it grew quickly. This was due to the power of the Holy Spirit, but also the sense of koinonia and fellowship that held the early church together. How did they do this? They allowed God, they allowed biblical teachings, the Holy Spirit to be in everything they did. They had everything in common. They shared what they were blessed with. They were a family. They were a body of Christ with God as the head. They had koinonia with God and their church family. This led to the church being appealing to the world around them. This last verse, the idea of being kingdom people, being kingdom-oriented in a nutshell. Church being kingdom-oriented as a church starts and ends with God. God will then accomplish something amazing through his body. This morning, I want to challenge Lakeside. I want to challenge us as a body of Christ, as well as individuals, to take a look at the early church and use it as a model for our own church. So many times, churches have gotten away from what the body of Christ was designed and created to be. We focus on all the little aspects and forget that our mission starts with our fellowship, our love with God, and each other. Only after we create a bond as a fellowship of believers will we be able to properly and effectively join God on mission. As kingdom people, God designed this, and the early church adopted this. Luke writes about this as an ideal. It truly, truly breaks my heart, and I have lived through this in my own life, of churches that fall apart, that break apart because of drama, because of cracks, because of sin, ignoring the call for koinonia and focusing on everyone's faults instead of the bond that we all share through our relationship with God and through grace. What would happen if every church adopted the same level of koinonia that the early church shared? I would think that our mission would be much more successful and that the kingdom of God would grow as it did for the early disciples. Yes, we need to put effort into programs. We need to put effort into the service, into supporting people, all the things that we do as a church. But all these things have to start with our own koinonia as members of God's kingdom. This fellowship is what the body of Christ starts with and the essence of what the body of Christ truly is. As we focus on fellowship with God and fellowship with other Christians, we can then build on that and enter into other missions with God. Our first priority is koinonia with God and with each other. The early church shows us the elements of koinonia. First, it has to start with God, preaching the word of God, allowing God to be an active part in all that we do. Second, we have to be ready for the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives 
in our church. We have to be ready for the awe of the Holy Spirit, the fear and wonder of God at work. We have to seek this and live this out. Third, we have to remember that we all share the same commonality. This commonality is that we have been saved by grace through Jesus' death and resurrection. Our commonality is Jesus, and this surpasses everything else. It surpasses all conflict, all differences. Fourth, we have to use our possessions, our talents, our time, and the things we are blessed with for the glory of God. We have to humble ourselves and allow these gifts to be used by God and for the body of Christ. And fifth, we are called to day by day live life together as believers in fellowship. As we do this, we develop trust, accountability, and a bond of fellowship that God designed from the very beginning. We are then better able to live out the mission we are all called to as members of the body of Christ. These elements create koinonia, create fellowship, and lead to God then adding to our number daily. It leads to God using us for his glory. It allows God to take us on a mission of kingdom work as kingdom people. What if we as Lakeside can enter into God's mission through faith by first entering into koinonia with God and each other and then living this koinonia out as kingdom people? This will then allow us to be used by God as his body to expand God's kingdom day by day through his will and the power of the Holy Spirit. That is our challenge this morning. Let's pray.